Remember the class where I taught y'all how to make it rain? Make it rain. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. All right, here we go on now on a Monday here, almost the last Monday, just another Monday here in 2019 before we usher in 2020, a new decade here. And of course, uh, we will be on our way to figuring out who the next Super Bowl champion is going to be. But before we get there, we got to finish out the regular season. Week 17 uh, is almost upon us and in typical NFL fashion. And for as much as we like to bitch and moan and scream and yell about how bad the refs are, how bad having the Bears on prime time is, and how the product sucks, uh, we head into a Week 17 with even uh, teams that have nothing but tea times to figure out, uh, playing in games that mean the world to somebody and some team in some fashion This is exactly what the NFL has wanted. It's exactly why they don't worry about the refs sucking because they know all will be forgiven uh, because now we've got urgency coming up in week 17 as while, yes, it's nice to know that Baltimore has secured the number one seed uh, and that they could very well be the best team in the NFL right now. Congratulations. That is not uh, what people are worried about. What people are worried about is what are they going to bring to the table taking on the Steelers who still, even though they lost to the Jets, have a shot at the playoffs, but they got to beat Baltimore. Now, does Baltimore play its starters? Do they not play their starters? Uh, What do you do with the quarterback situation here? You go down the list of teams that are still on the fringe and even teams that are still in it, jockeying for position, including Seattle, San Francisco now, been flexed to the Monday night game. A lot on the line for both of those teams. How much effort will they bring? Won't they bring? All questions that, quite honestly, we won't know the answers till until we watch the damn game, which is why the NFL remains king. It'll always remain king. We can bitch and moan and scream and yell all we want. Our asses are going to be parked in front of the television in week 17 watching lowly-ass teams that we probably wouldn't watch during the season playing their Super Bowl in their playoff game, hoping to be able to knock down the other team. Uh, Dane, I've said it forever. I'll say it again. While it sucks having to watch Thursday night crap games and everything else that goes along with it, the NFL knows by the time we reach week 16 and 17, urgency, yeah, that's what it's all about. And you know what? We are not going to be able to get enough of it this weekend. Yeah, good morning, Joe. Good morning, Degenerates here on Make It Rain. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it once again. Joe, you know, you always joke with me sometimes about how I watch, like, reality TV, you know, like Survivor and other things that maybe we could bet on. Well, this is why sports is the ultimate reality TV show, Joe. You know, and that's why sports are still in this streaming day and age, still what people need to watch live because people will be talking about it because we don't know what will happen. And there's going to be a whole lot of that, uh, not only tonight, but in week 17 as well. It is still tight, looking for jockeying for position. You know, the San Francisco 40, I mean, the Seattle Seahawks can literally finish like first, second, third, 
or fifth. You know, Minnesota, I think, can still be anywhere from like second to sixth. So there is a lot in terms of seeding in the AFC. We'll see about Tennessee and Pittsburgh. I think, um, you know, ironically, Oakland still has an outside shot. And obviously the NFC East, despite the Philadelphia win yesterday, is still left to be decided. But that's what it is, Joe. And I think what the NFL did, which is really smart, is after that rash of, I think, like the Colts wrestling their players about a decade ago with Tony Dungy, what they did is make week 16 and week 17 all divisional matchups. And I think that was a very smart move from the schedule makers because they knew teams weren't going to rest their starters against the division rival, right? Where they would relish the chance to play spoiler and knock those teams out of the playoffs. So I think that was a great decision by the NFL, and it was coming to pass as we see some of the matchups next week. To your point, a team that's out of the playoffs may not have much on the line, but they will care to try to knock out their divisional rival out of the their spot. We will see how many starters are playing. But what's funny to me, Joe, you say starters, right? And everyone thinks about, you know, like Lamar Jackson or, or key running backs or wide receivers. But there are 22 starters on every team. It's not like the starting right guard is going to get a rest. Don't forget, after Sunday, too, is uh, this day called uh, Monday. And uh, this time next week. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see also another reason why people will tune in and follow and watch the NFL, which is why it's gang, because it's the one sport that actually highlights a, uh, a Black Monday here of sorts where teams are going to hit the reset button and they've only been waiting till the season was over in order to be able to do it. So question marks will remain about a lot of teams' future, certainly from a head coaching perspective, yeah. and the direction and and the questions galore. Will Freddie Kitchens make the cut? Will Doug Marone? Will even coaches and general managers who have been given the thumbs up here and be given the vote of confidence, could things change come a week from today? So there is so much. And believe it or not, there's probably – a lot of questions that still need to be answered next week and week 17 before some decisions are even made here. And, you know, you don't have to look much further than Dallas to figure that out while it was a horrible win uh, loss yesterday in that game that they should have won playing backups, backups. Uh, the truth is they're not out of it. That's how crazy it is right now that they still have an opportunity. They don't control their destiny, which is really what they were playing for yesterday, right. having the ability to control their destiny. But Philadelphia, anybody to watch the Giants yesterday, you know, Giants aren't rolling over for Shermer. Uh, he's another guy that hangs in the balance here. What kind of effort are we going to get after Danny Dimes comes uh, off a five touchdown performance and Saquon was Saquon again? The offensive line could actually bulldoze people. So there is, as crazy as it is, there are even in these games in week 17, there are determining factors here on what happens with Jason Garrett or the Shermers of the world. Where do they go? Uh, you know, what, what do you do from here if you are ownership groups? You're going to fire Jason Garrett if he ends up making the playoffs and they bounce back. It's just, and by the way, you're going to learn a lot about the coaches too with how does this team respond in Dallas? Right. How does this team respond in Philadelphia? It's all great. You won this game. What good does it do if you blow it next week against the Redskins? So, so much to be determined. Storylines galore. You got to love the drama. I, you know, soap operas have been around for a million years. Is there any bigger soap opera than the NFL? 
That's why I'm saying it is the real reality TV of yep. this world, Joe. Yep. I completely agree with you. Not only head coaches, yep. quarterbacks will have the last chance to put some stuff on games to make their decision about nice them. playing for jobs, futures, careers, all in the NFL. So keep bitching a moment about the refs. We'll be watching week 17. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here on this uh, Monday as we count down the days to the end of 2020 and uh, get ready for week 17. We got to get ready for Monday night football tonight as much is still to be decided uh, in the NFL, uh, jockeying for position, uh, teams, draft picks, uh, jobs, you name it. It is all going to culminate here over the next week. So a lot of fun. And uh, we got to finish week 16 first, and that'll happen tonight in this game between the Vikings, who will be hosting uh, Green Bay. Both teams still with uh, with much to play for, which is always amazing. Uh, but uh, there was a lot that happened yesterday in the uh, NFL that was we had records being broken yesterday. We had uh, crazy performances, teams with absolutely nothing to play for, uh, battling, not quitting. It It was... Honestly, probably one of the most entertaining Saturday and Sunday of football that we have seen in uh, in a long time in the NFL. And it's crazy to think because a lot of teams were playing yesterday with absolutely nothing on the line and still delivered some great performances. And you look at last night and you had Patrick Mahomes, you had Kansas City, you going into Chicago, never an easy place to play. Now, Chicago mathematically, of course, eliminated, but still. You know, trying to develop a second-year quarterback, a quarterback who, you know, let us not forget, was taken ahead of the guy he was playing there, Matt, uh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, last night. You had Matt Nagy, who was a disciple of, uh, you know, good old Andy Reid there. He's an Andy Reid guy. And so there was a lot on the line last night. And I think while Patrick Mahomes and, of course, Trubisky and how inept he is and how great Patrick Mahomes and how Chicago should have drafted him, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I do want to remind people, absolutely zero people predicted watching Patrick Mahomes lose games at Texas Tech that somehow he was going to be the quarterback he is. So let's not get crazy and pat yourself on the back. While, yes, he was a nice quarterback and people thought, all right, he could develop into something. Nobody thought you'd be getting what you got from Patrick Mahomes. So don't have revisionist history here because the guy did nothing at Texas Tech to make you think you'd get exactly what you're getting right now. Now, having said that, the story last night wasn't either quarterback. It's that damn Kansas City Chiefs defense that, mm. guys, let me tell you something, man. Of all the Andy Reid teams, it's always mm. been the offense getting better as the year progressed. This is the first time that I can remember Andy Reid's defense is starting to, it's outpacing the offense as the season progressed here. In this second half, has been nothing but lights out. They gave up another th just three points. And yep. it's actually the first time since 2015 that the Chiefs have given up three points or less twice in a season. With the playoffs just around the corner, 
The defense nobody's talking about is the Kansas City Chiefs. But, guys, I can tell you right now, watching that team play the last couple of weeks, that unit, that is the best defense right now rolling into week 17 that we have seen in a long time. Forget about the Bills. Forget about the Patriots. Forget about the Ravens. That Kansas City Chiefs defense is lethal right now, Dane. I've never seen them play as good as they are playing right now. Joe, I don't usually do it this way, but I, this is exactly what I have been saying for the last couple of weeks. I, I have literally on this show, on on you know Pro Football Today, this has been my take for the last couple of weeks that this Kansas City defense is getting better. I've said that Spagnolo's defenses as a first-year coordinator usually takes some time, and I've said that the Honey Badger has been a revelation for them and that Spagnolo is using him in a lot of different ways. That's exactly what Collinsworth said on the telecast. They have given up less than 10 points a game over the last five. You've heard me saying that now when everyone's on Baltimore, I'm starting to be on Kansas City, and it is because of the defense. That's, I mean, you know, I, this is exactly what I have been saying. And the idea that they're getting better with their multiple coverages throughout the season. And they're also, if you remember, Joe, Chris Jones is showing a little bit of uh, moxie. Remember out there in New England, it was him woofing back at Tom Brady. It's him that's getting, you know, penalties. It's almost like, Joe, remember down in Florida a long time ago, uh, Florida played Georgia in the, in, the, in the cocktail party. And one year, Georgia scored like an opening touchdown and the entire team like came into the end zone and celebrated and they got a penalty right if you remember that they didn't care because that was about them start like taking pride and planting the flag like yo we're here right now and that's what i'm seeing out of the kansas city defense but i gotta tell you joe and you got you know this this is exactly what i have been saying for the last couple of weeks it's why i'm riding the kansas city horse the um with that win last night they're in good position to wrap up the number three seed. However, the number two seed is obviously still in play if the Patriots lose to the Dolphins. I mean, it's you know not impossible, unlikely, not impossible. But you're going to have to play your starters if you're Kansas City regardless against the Chargers because the Texans, who are right behind you, they hold the head-to-head advantage over KC. So there's a possibility they could drop and I would assume they would rather play in the number three spot. They'd rather play a Steelers, Titans, Raiders game as opposed to the Bills in mm-hmm. this uh, in this playoff race. So they are not going to have the luxury of having the opportunity to be able to maybe kick back a little bit against the Chargers. They are going to have to play all their starters because there is, while there's not much more to gain, there is... Yep a significant way to lose here if you're Kansas City. So uh, keep an eye on that as the Steelers, Titans, Raiders are really the three teams that are left in order to be able to secure that number six uh, position. So, And the fact that we're even talking about the Raiders, can we just be honest here for a second? It's the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. They needed five crazy ass scenarios to happen yesterday. Mm-hmm. Five they guys. Got them all. Do you know? Do you know the combination? The chances of all five of those things happening is ridiculous. And now, when you look at the things that they need to happen in order to, none of them are out of the realm of possibility. The hardest right. part was yesterday they getting got it one, done. Right. Five. 
Five what? outcomes needed to happen yesterday that would have equaled, by the way, somewhere around a 27 and a half to one parlay if you had played them all together. So chances, guys? Yeah, no. And yet, here they are. The Raiders could very well this time next week be a number six seed. Can I can't even believe the words are coming out of my mouth, Dane. I really can't. Yeah, it is possible, and that's why they always say you need to win and get help, and that is the help that they have gotten. They got it. I do want to make one more point on Kansas City, though, Joe, about wanting to be in that three seed, like you said. Yes, you want to avoid Buffalo in the first round, right? I would much rather see, like you say, in Tennessee or, you know, Pittsburgh with whoever they run out at quarterback um, as opposed to Buffalo. But I think it's even more than that, Joe, for a team like Kansas City at the three seed. Honestly, and this sounds crazy to say, Joe, where would you rather go right now? Would you rather go to New England in divisional round or go to Baltimore? Because as the three seed, you also get the two seed, right? And right now, to me, that's a big time difference. I know it's getting ahead of yourself by one game. But if a team like Kansas City has true designs on getting to a Super Bowl after they hopefully win a wild card game, they would either go to Baltimore or go to New England. And right now, that choice is clear. So the three seed, I think, is a lot easier than the four seed in the AFC. I don't think they care. If it's me, I want Baltimore first because that means I'm going to be getting a Baltimore Ravens team that, let's face it, guys, it's a long time between now, especially if they're going to – and I don't see any reason for them to play anybody and risk anything in Week 17 at this particular point. So that means Week 17, sorry to sit. you got another week off. All right, before so you don't have to play. So that means they're going to be coming on and playing that game after a two and a half, three weeks that they've actually played the starters really competitive up there. That is a lifetime for players, guys, that require rhythm and especially running an RPO, which has a high probability of, you know, fumbling the ball, dropping the ball if you're not in rhythm. If I'm Kansas City, give me Baltimore first coming off a three-week layoff you got to beat them at some point anyway. I'd rather beat them then than have to wait for them to put it all together and and, and play them in a championship game. Baltimore, you got to be careful with that. They Not better me. be careful. Three no weeks chance off in is hell. a long time. No chance in hell. I'll tell you why on the other side. Mm-hmm. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you want to head over to YouTube and you'd like to follow us here, you can certainly do so at SportsGrid Network. All the fantasy and sports wagering advice you need all the time on one place at YouTube. It is the SportsGrid Network. Also, follow us on Instagram at SportsGridTV. And if you are a fan of the NHL, good chance you can light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season. Simply join DailyRoto.com and Learn from the very best daily fantasy sports players. You can get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS. You can get line combinations and build stacks for tournaments all in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. So if you are playing daily fantasy hockey, 
without using Daily Roto. Well, you are pretty much doing it wrong there. Enter the promo code ACTION. Get yourself a 10% discount. That promo code is ACTION for a 10% discount. And keep in mind, DailyRoto.com. It is certainly where millionaires are made. And as we take a look here in the NFL now, uh, week 16 coming to a close tonight. NFC matchup between Minnesota and uh, Green Bay. Much to be determined over the next seven or eight days here. We will figure it out. Uh, Who is where? Who is playing what? We do know who's definitely in. And certainly some teams that uh, have an opportunity still, as bad as it may seem, Uh, Teams like, you know, Dallas still have a shot. Teams like Tennessee still have a shot. Pittsburgh and the damn Oakland Raiders, which is mind-blowing to me, that uh, if Gruden (laughs) go out and play the lotto, my friend, because that uh, that is crazy that we find ourselves in a spot where the Raiders, off of, by the way, off of, off a report yesterday before that game that the Raiders are in the market for a quarterback and Derek right. Carr goes out and just absolutely lights them up there. A pretty darn good, healthy Chargers defense in what might as well have been a home game for uh, Oakland, by the oh way. That was, wow, that was wow. Was that? Damn, dude. They actually had to go in the third count. quarter. They had to go <laughs> silent because they could not hear it, the Chargers. And to only, by the way, to only have 12 yards rushing between Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. Now, I get it. They were playing some inspired football there, Oakland. Uh, They won 24-17. They won the yardage 366 to 284. I mean, they out 99 to 19 was the rushing yard comparison there. And Josh Jacobs, by the way, didn't finish the game. So it just (laughs) absolutely ridiculous. He lit him up for you. First drive, three for three, touchdown, Derek Carr. Comes back in the second half, goes a perfect 10 for 10, lights him up again. I mean, it was, he didn't, he didn't have an incompletion in the second half. And yes, guys, everyone's back to the same conversation with quarterbacks, right? Derek Carr, get rid of him. Get rid of Jameis. Okay, now what? (laughs) Now what the hell are you supposed to do? So it's so frustrating, those two quarterbacks in different ways because they, show you those flashes of, yes, they get it. They can absolutely right. do it. And then they do, you know, like, how many times are you going to fumble the ball reaching for the pylon? Just asking for a friend. I'm sorry, Derek Carr. How many times are you going to throw 14 interceptions there, Jameis? They are frustrating as all hell, but I still think the good outweighs the bad with those guys. And if you're Gruden, what if Oakland, is it not the story of the entire year if Oakland somehow makes the playoff as the number six seed? I, I don't know. what. I mean, granted, it's nice, Tomlin, coach of the year, what you've managed to do without a quarterback. But is Gruden not the coach of the year if he manages to get this team to uh, to the playoffs in a number six seed? You know, I mean, we could go through all of the cases for coach of the year. I think he's definitely in the running. Okay, he's definitely one of the like top three, let's say, finalists. You know, I do think there's some other guys who deserve consideration as well. But yes, Gruden deserves to be in there. When you talk about quarterbacks like Carr or Jameis, um, you know, and we we see flashes of guys like Brissett, who for weeks, a few weeks thought he could do it, you know, and then he falls off. The other interesting part of it to me is you mentioned the coaches, too. Right. With, With Carr, it's a guy like Gruden. 
who just wants the right piece of clay with his quarterback camp and thinks he can mold, right? In Tampa, Joe, you got Bruce Arians, right, who they thought he was going to come in and mold them. And it's so funny how these coaches, and now in this case I'm talking about Arians or Gruden or maybe a Frank Reich even, right, Mm. who – are like, yeah, if I just get the guy, I can make it work with him. So when you talk about this quarterback merry-go-round that I'm so excited to play with you, Joe, like at some point maybe next week where we look at all the options and you got to now put Oakland in there, right? Just like we thought about putting Matt Stafford in there, you know, eventually. It's going to be so interesting because maybe the answer is just that. Maybe it's like a clean slate kind of thing, you know, when you say where does Tennessee go for the grass to be greener, maybe the answer is Derek Carr. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I do think that is interesting. And for Oakland, Joe, the things they need to happen now, the quote-unquote help that they need, it's very possible. They need Tennessee to go on the road and lose to Houston. Yeah, that can happen when Houston, Absolutely. you know, could still have seating with Kansas City involved, right? Yep. They need Pittsburgh to go on the road to, oh, yeah, Baltimore and lose. And I don't think we're going to see Lamar Jackson. I don't think we're nope. going to see Mark Ingram, who left with a calf nope. injury. I don't think nope. we're going to see Mark Andrews, who nope. was a little gimpy. But guess what? Bob Griffin in that offense, I think, can beat them, Joe. I really do. And then what are we talking about? Can Oakland go on the road and beat Drew Locke? Uh, yeah, they can. That, that, that might be the toughest one of the three outcomes that they need, Joe, is for Oakland to take care of business on, their, on the road by themselves because, as we made the point, Joe, with the yep. scheduling, right, in division in week 17 with these division rivals, it's not like Denver won't also relish the chance to yep. end that kind of narrative for the Raiders in their last season in Oakland. It, it just the uh, uh, Raider Nation would go ballistic, uh, and if you are Gruden on your way to Vegas – uh, yeah, man, you, you keep playing them fucking, you, you keep playing those nine, 10 team, uh, parlays there and good luck, uh, with mm-hmm. you there because luck is exactly what you've got going on there. I've sure never did. seen it. I've never seen a dude that lucky in one, in one week we, when we're sticking a fork at him. Oh, we got to move on from Derek Carr. We got to, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's some rumors we're going to, uh, and then the dude comes out, lights it up. They right. did the same thing to Jacoby Brissett, by the way, the rumors came out. Jacoby Brissett gets oh, lit up, right, uh, yep. in the media. They're looking, you know, they're definitely in the yep. market for a new quarterback. So both guys say, you know what, the heck with that. And both guys go out of their way uh, to light up the opposing teams. And now you go, whoa, all right, Jacoby Brissett, where was that? And you know and what, also- maybe it's not so much luck either. Maybe both of these guys, and, you know, this is also we should talk about that. Sometimes a change of scenery is not a bad thing. I don't think that it's these guys can't play. I just think sometimes it's not a good fit, but I wouldn't stick a fork in Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, even if they move on to other teams. Ryan Tannehill is the shining example of that. You telling me, Joe, that, you know, and there's other ones, right? Like, I completely agree with you. That's why it's like maybe what's behind door number three. You know, who's to tell me that, like, You put Marcus Mariota on another team next year in a different system with a different head coach that really believes in what they're doing and wants to organize it all around him the way Baltimore did. Like, who's to say he doesn't latch on and I'm throwing something out like Carolina next year, right? And they organize the offense and North Turner's like, hey, we almost had Cam Newton with his mobility and I can make it work now because Marcus is like maybe a better 
I don't know, decision maker, right? Yep. It couldn't happen. And Joe, remember a couple of weeks ago, I think it was three weeks ago at this point in time, on a random Sunday morning, there were reports that, oh yeah, the Chargers would be comfortable benching Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. What did Phillip Rivers do that day? What did yep. he do that yep. day? He threw Let for three and, and no interceptions for like the only time all year, right? It's amazing what a swift kick in the butt can do for you kind of perception yep. media. You talked about it with Brissett. You talk about it with Carr. I remember it happened with Phillip Rivers. And mm-hmm. not for nothing, we were hearing this narrative all weekend long about what the Bucks were going to do with Jameis Winston as yep. well. Yep. Yeah. And uh, look at the dude tonight, man. Uh, I mean, Kurt yeah. Cousins. Another situation where uh, he's all right. He's stuck in Washington. I'm like, eh, you know, we'll, we'll franchise tag. Oh, yeah, and here he is. You know, right team, right situation at the right time. I I do think there are some quarterbacks, too, that I just I don't. There are some quarterbacks that will forever be backups, I think. Um, And, you know, the the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world. I mean, they're these are great guys to be able to come off the bench and do those types of things. I do think I don't have the same confidence in like a, you know, and they're a little bit older, but the Andy Daltons and the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world are, they would be huge additions to teams in the NFL next year on squad. Huge. I mean, you know, to be able to, could could you imagine having to turn the keys over to be like, all right, you know, Andy Dalton's got to take over a couple of weeks while, you know, Patrick Mahomes or somebody goes down. I mean, that's, Absolutely. You need both of those guys. You need both of those style of quarterbacks. No, I mean, I've been telling you all year, right? Like it's almost a 50-50 proposition about mm-hmm. teams needing to go to QB2. You know what I mean? And it happened in Arizona yesterday with what Kyle What would the Marty. Jets have been if they had Andy Dalton as a backup? That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. A lot of these teams, we like how lucky were the Saints to have Teddy Bridgewater for that stretch? You know yep. what I mean? They're now, yep. you know, in my opinion, the NFC favorite. And, yep. oh, great, because Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and or whatever it was holding down the fort. Correct. Nick Foles, hello. You know, Philly won a Super yep. Bowl because mm-hmm. of that. Abso-frickin-lutely, okay? Yep. Joe, you know, you talked about the Chargers having to go to the silent count. Me and Mike Blewett went to the Jets game together. And let me tell you something. There were more terrible towels in that building than green and white. Okay, the Jet, there were defense chants when the Jets had the ball. But one of the things we were doing together, we were naming guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and seeing how much money they made career. Guys like mm. Josh McCown, guys like mm. Terod Taylor, guys like Chase Daniel, Colt McCoy, because we thought about it after Haskins went down. And those guys are incredibly valuable. We saw Chase yep. Daniel this year as well. And so maybe that's the future for some of these guys on the merry-go-round. And that's all right. They still cash and checks. Think about the Jets are a six-win team right now, possibly seven. And if they would have had a competent backup, could they not be a nine-win team? Would they not be a nine-win team? Better than Simeon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Peterson, and it is a touchdown for Adrian Peterson. Yeah, there was uh, 
there were some significant records broke yesterday in the NFL by guys. And um, take a second here just to recognize them and and see where we think these guys are going to uh, uh, going to end up all time. Because Adrian Peterson there passing Walter Payton on the list uh, to I believe uh, 111th career touchdown. Now he is. Um, Fourth all time. I think it's fourth. Is he yep. fourth now? I think yeah. he is now fourth all time, which is just he needs, uh, I think, 38 yards this week to hit a thousand uh, for the 10th time in his career. Uh, wow. Adrian Peterson, by far, Still talk about it. a guy, obviously not what he was, but on a bad team and asking this guy to kind of shoulder the load at, at how old is he now? This guy, what is he? 30? It's got to be what? Mid Mid thirties, right? Reconstructive yeah. surgery on his knee. I mean, when you think about what this dude has been through and the longevity that he's had in his career, and you know, now passing, uh, you know, sweetness there and Walter Payton, 34. it's thirty. It's still thirty-four doing it. The you know, and he looks. I mean, no crap. Does he not look twenty-eight out there the way he was he running? Looks better than Frank Gore does. I'll tell you that. I, I agree, like man. Got, totally. this is not, I, I don't mean to be like negative to Frank no, Gore. I'm just saying right. like another older running back. But yep. AP does look like he has more tread on the tires. It's amazing. Yes. It's crazy. You know, and, and you talk about him shouldering the load. The other yeah. back in Washington is Darius Geis, who can't stay on the field. And that, yep. like, I just think it's a nice juxtaposition, right? You talk yep. about the NFL is not for long. The average career for a running back is like three and a half years. Yep. And there you have guys like Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson, who yep. absolutely is shouldering the load and looking just fine. Yep. And then, of course, there was uh, there was this record broken yesterday. Michael Thomas lot to the left. Breeze looking his way, and there it is. A new NFL record reaching across for a touchdown. How about it? How about it? Congratulations to Michael Thomas. And what a way to do it. Yeah, Michael Thomas uh, set a record that has stood for 17 years. And by the way, no one's even come (laughs) within six catches of this record. Nobody's come within six of this record, but he passes Marvin Harrison in the record books. Now, 143 catches in one season. Ironic that, you know, Marvin had Peyton thrown to him. And of course, Michael Thomas in a very short career here so far is, uh, you know, he's got Drew Brees throwing to him, but he's up to 145 catches on the year. He caught 12 yesterday in that game uh, for 136 yards. I the Ninth time he's caught double digits. And don't forget, this was like you said, five games this year without Drew Brees, without Drew Brees throwing the ball to him. And he still, uh, he just got his contract, guys. And I know there were some people worrying like, ah. Oh, you know, he finally got his money, $100 million wide receiver. Here not he goes. Well, uh, not this kid is right. Uh, he has done everything right, everything along the step of the way. And I shudder to think, now, Gannon, he's got Breeze, uh, but I, if he can find himself another competent quarterback for the second half of his career, I, there is no telling what this guy can do. He is beyond clutch, Dane, at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple of things at play here, right? I don't understand why, you know, the entire stadium knows where Drew Brees is going. It's not only the 145 receptions, their completion percentage together, Joe, is literally like around 90% on his targets. You know, it's, it's like, (laughs) 
It's such yep. a crazy thing. Like, <laughs> you're going to complete 90% of the balls you throw to this mm-hmm. guy, and he averages yep. like, it's a first down waiting to happen. You want a 90% chance at a first down? Target yep. Michael Thomas. It's absolutely yep. amazing, you know. And I wonder, though, if New Orleans ever addresses trying to find the true number two opposite him. You yes. know, and I guess you can call a guy like Alvin Kamara or what have you. But imagine if they had that together. And, yes, it is important that he has Drew Brees as a quarterback. That's why I always consider DeAndre Hopkins the best because he did it with piss-poor quarterback play for about a decade. You know what I mean? Yep. He doesn't have the luxury of having Drew Brees or Julio who has Matt Ryan or any of that those things. But absolutely, one of the things we're talking about, Joe, in the fantasy community, I was talking about it with Mike Blewett yesterday, is does he get drafted number one overall next year in fantasy drafts? Usually Mm. you take a running back, you know, and a guy like McCaffrey or Saquon or Dalvin Cook even. But, like, there's an argument to be made to take Michael Thomas as the number one overall draft pick in fantasy next year if it's a PPR kind of format because, like, what is more guaranteed, barring injury, than the fight that Michael Thomas, which raises his quarterback, is going to produce week in and week out. He could be if he's fortunate enough. And, and when you look at the game's all-time greatest, when you look at Jerry Rice, you know, part of what Jerry Rice's success was the fact that he went from one Hall of Fame quarterback Montana to another Hall of Fame quarterback. Nice. Yeah. yeah, Montana was really at the end of the road when he when he first came up. And then he got Steve Young afterwards, and it worked out. I mean, Marvin Harrison was fortunate enough. He had Peyton. Well, you know, his entire career there. Unfortunately, Michael Thomas is coming in where, listen, he's 41 years old. You might have another year or so out of him. Uh, So it's going to be very important of what happens next, I think, if we're going to be talking record books. Uh, But there's no doubt about it. You have to consider this guy to be um, that next generation Jerry Rice, that guy that you just throw it his way. Throw it his way. You know it's coming. You still can't stop him. Uh, Technique and everything is just flat out amazing. And then you got this this guy at 23 years old who very well might be bordering, uh, you know, depending on what happens here over the next couple of years, outside of Barry Sanders, maybe one of the biggest wastes of talent uh, the NFL has seen as Christian McCaffrey became the first running back yesterday, guys, in the history of the NFL. Think about that. First running back history of the NFL to have back-to-back 100-catch seasons. This guy, talk about versatility. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, they lost 38-6. to six. Uh, But that is crazy. On his sixth catch of the day, by the way, he finished, uh, he got 15 of them for 119 yards and a total of 173 yards from scrimmage. He's only 23. He's got a chance to rewrite history here, Dane. And also, yep. you know, he could be, a legend, guys. When we're talking about, you know, the way we talked about Jim Brown, about how sure. he was a game champ, this kid has that potential, that kind of ability to be a game changer. And I'm just so worried he's going to be stuck in a city and a team and a franchise that can't figure it out over the next, during the prime of his career. I mean, 23 to 28, Dane, yeah. the next five years. I I worry that we're going to be talking about him in the next couple of years going, man. Not only was he like Barry Sanders and uh, maybe numbers-wise and ability, but, oh, yeah, um, also stuck in a franchise that can't get it straight, that can't win more than six games a year. Is he not the current NFL version of Mike Trout 
right now. Yeah, he really so, is. Yeah. Yeah, he really I mean? is. Yeah. Like, wasting away on that kind of mm-hmm. level. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and some of the, the, those stat is amazing, right? Like uh, back-to-back hundred catch from a running back. Part of that is this new passing league that we're in, right? All their, sure. all their stats are a little bit inflated. But here's the thing I'll also say to further your point, Joe. He did this on a team where he had three different starting quarterbacks throughout that season, two different head coaches throughout that season. And guess what? Next year, he's going to have a new head coach, probably a new quarterback, probably a new system. Right. And it won't effing matter, Joe. You know, when I just finished talking about Michael Thomas, is he the number one overall pick in fantasy? Your other option, quite frankly, is Christian McCaffrey. These are guys that are matchup proof, that are apparently quarterback proof as well. I mentioned with McCaffrey and Joe, the last point on Thomas, I looked at his uh, his stats, Joe, the five weeks of Teddy Bridgewater, talking about mm-hmm. doesn't matter the quarterback. So with Teddy Bridgewater, Michael Thomas, nine for 95, 11 for 182 and two touchdowns, eight yep. for 89, nine for 131, and 11 for 112 and a touchdown. I mean, that's okay, too. Don't matter yep. the quarterback, it seems like. Yeah, the kid is uh, both of those guys. And I'm wondering, he's got 100 catches and and when you take just compare it to let's say michael tom michael tom's got 143 145 on the season he's a wide receiver you're talking about a running back like a running back Lamar jackson's rushing yards we're talking about christian mccaffrey's type of thing potential you know it's out of control mccaffrey as a receiver right would be i don't know top five in terms of catches in the nfl in the same way Lamar running yards is like top whatever seven in the nfl it's amazing at a running back position guy i mean honestly game changer you know trout's a good comparison to him where you're t- how you he's not defendable. He's he's absolutely undefendable. And then what happens is if you put a John Taylor like Jerry Rice had on the opposite side of a Michael Tomlin, you know what I mean? Moving forward, yeah. um, you give them, you know, like a James Lofton, you you give yeah, them yeah, a yeah. second option. Right. He, you, you can't. I mean, right now, listen, if you wanted to take Michael Thomas out, go ahead. You can take Michael Thomas out. You're right. You want to go ahead and then you. But. Yeah, good luck. You know, they've got enough other weapons and a quarterback that can – you're done. Like, you don't – and the same thing with McCaffrey. How do you Mike, stop McCaffrey? Yeah. Like, how do you, you even want, game plan for that? That's right. If you want to try and stop uh, Michael Thomas, guess what? Drew yeah. Brees as a quarterback is just fine and happy that's to find exactly. a matchup yep. elsewhere on the field. Like yep. he's, it's all good. You know yep. what I mean? And so, and I've said it, you know, like Des Bryant came in there mid season last year. You know, that's why when, it, when we mention names like Odell Beckham, when we mention, or maybe not Odell for that team, but we mention a guy like AJ green, I yes. always bring up Orleans, right? Because I've always said, imagine if there was something on the other side to <sighs> take away attention. Yep. And sky is the limit, man. With those two guys, I mean, you had the other end of the spectrum with AP. I mean, you know, Adrian Peterson will. I'm not sure how history will reflect Adrian Peterson because he never really he was never on that Super Bowl winning team. He never really made that. You know what I mean? The media. He was a surly guy, you know, so that he was. It was. Yeah. Legacy Hall of Fame, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He was. children with you know the 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 domestic violence he was hyped when he came out of OU I mean he certainly lived up to it but for years he was stuck in that Minnesota team that just could not get over the hump and they then you're right then the stuff comes out but 
make no mistake, from a physicality standpoint, the way he run, how he run at 34 years old, given blowing out the knee, reshattering it. Oh, and by the way, coming back in eight friggin' months to Wait, rush for a thousand. Hard? I <laughs> yeah, mean, no. like, it's like yeah. it's absolutely, absolutely, John. Crazy I mean, that, to me. that was doing like the all-time 100 team, right? I don't know yes. who the running backs are on that team. Hey, maybe Venmo Bryan. Maybe you could bring up the NFL all-time team running backs. And if AP is on it, I think he deserves to be. But, Joe, mm-hmm. if, even in a more truncated way, and you and my like generation and lifetime, right? I'll give you Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. I'll, maybe I'll give you Emmett Smith, right? Yep. I mean, yep. you know, who else are you putting ahead of them? You know what I mean? There's compilers like Gore or Curtis Martin, right? But none of them at their peak were ever what AP could do. You know, no. like outside of, say, Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders, can you name other running backs that were like right. better at their height? Maybe a Ladanian Tomlinson? But yep. like, who? Dual threat, yeah. too. Yep. Absolutely. Being able to catch that ball out of the backfield. Not only, and the, what was interesting about him is not only would he make you break your ankles. But he would run you over. It wasn't like he tried to to avoid contact in his career. Like, AP is not a guy that would run out of bounds and set it. Like, no, he'll run your ass over. And he's been doing it for such a long time. Gore was a totally different type of runner in his career. He's a guy to run up the middle. But fast? Guy's going to be one of the all-time greats, but I don't know that he'll ever get the recognition. Maybe deservedly so. But on the football field, wow. Got to be top five, Dan. Has to be top five somewhere in there. Crazy stuff there. All right. Updated list. What's at stake next? Coming up here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. Sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. Sportsgrid.com. I got a little Monday night football uh, coming up. We'll take a look at that game coming up uh, next hour as uh, we look to close week 16 here of the uh, NFL season in great fashion. And uh, there does seem to be some line movement in this game uh, looking forward. But uh, what we've had so far Saturday and Sunday in the NFL uh, we saw favorites uh, dominate seven to five uh, against the number on Sunday, eight, six and one total so far in week 16. Uh, one, one and one, believe it or not, against the number on Saturday's three games. Unders continue to dominate eight and four yesterday, nine and six for the week. And uh, it's uh, Eagles seem to be one of the uh, one of the dogs that uh, people just. Uh, it was plus 120 yesterday, and I know Dallas Cowboy fans are in mourning here today. And maybe the saddest and hardest pill to swallow was the fact that, man, they had that final drive, uh, number one, the overthrow, and then the hitting Michael Gallup uh, not once but twice in the hands and him not being able to pull it down was just execution. Seven drops on the day by Dallas Cowboys receivers. And I know Dak is going to take a lot of crap, but the truth is he was hitting guys in the hands all day and they weren't making plays. And then Amari Cooper on fourth down, right? You're, you're, here Killing it is. On the sideline. He's on the sideline. And then you throw it to Gallup and it hits him right in the face again. And it's like, uh, 
I oh, know yeah. it's no. tough. Dallas, I know <laughs> it's tough, man. But before you blame Dak, uh, where was the help? Like, where where was the help? And what the hell are you doing, Kellen Moore? What what are you doing not putting him on the field? Like, wouldn't you want him on the field, Dan? I'm just curious. Wouldn't you want him uh, on the field? I would have. Listen, that play was very loud in the Martinez household, Joe, because uh, in my high-stakes fantasy league where I was in the championship, my opponent had Michael Gallup. So uh, they were helping me out. And then I had to sweat out a similar thing at the end of the game in Chicago because my opponent had Allen Robinson. But I got through, Joe, and you are looking at the Greenwich Street Tavern Fantasy League champion, my friend. Very nice. And thousands of dollars that come along. With that champion. Gallup is, you know, I really just, you know, the next time just throw the ball to Randall Cobb. He's the only dude who oh, could yeah. catch the ball yesterday for him. He was viable. That's where they needed to go, to be honest. Missed opportunities, oh. Dallas. And so Missed opportunities. It gets better for the Philadelphia Eagles. It gets better for them. 